Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. And welcome back to another edition of the Unity Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Cathy, and we bring to you every other week executives from all over DFW. They're in the fields of accounting, finance, tax, and information technology because that's our target audience. And our target audience to go a little bit further is other executives who listen to us, as well as climbers, people who are achieving in their career, looking to get to the next level. And each week, each recording episode, I should say that we have, we try to bring someone that's going to add value to your career, whether we're talking about work-life balance, we're talking about how to get to the next level in your career, we're talking about how to lead your teams. And we have a special guest today. Her name is Kelly Roberts. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So Kelly is from a little town. What are we, are we calling it like maybe west northwest of fort worth graham texas mm -hmm. right off of yep. 380. yep that's exactly right i've been through it one time yep it's a beautiful little town but i actually grew up right on possum kingdom lake even better yes i loved growing up there i miss being in around a large body of water um, or being in the country at all when i was a kid i would just take off and go hiking and just go so i definitely miss that yeah is it is it kosher to say like you are a lake rat, is that like? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So that's a good thing? Like I can say that? Yes. Okay. For sure. All right, good. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm not sure that like anybody else calls them lake rats. Like it's kind of something you call each other, okay. but we'll let it go. Let's okay, go. we'll let it, yeah. I didn't grow up, yeah. My, I grew up by Galveston, oh, you know, okay. by the ocean. So cool. mine was a giant lake. Oh, that's awesome. Right? Um, Kelly is the CFO of Moss Utilities, and there's actually a couple of other companies mm -hmm. that make up kind of the Moss holding group of companies. Why don't you give us a quick little two-minute commercial on what all Moss Utilities and the other companies do? So Moss Utilities is a civil construction company that was started in 2016 by Garrett Moss. So we do... We, a real, you know, civil construction is a really fancy way of saying that we put water, sewer, and storm pipe in the ground. So if you want to go and build something and there's an empty plot of land, well, we need to come in and we need to put the utilities in first. And so we do this for subdivisions, big industrial projects, multifamily, uh, build to rent, basically anything we were capable of doing it. Our projects range from anywhere from 750,000 all the way up to about 14 million in size. Oh, wow. Okay. So is it in its residential it's commercial it's it's commercial it's commercial. commercial yeah okay but we do some subdivision work we're just kind of okay. getting back into that we started in 2016 doing a lot of subdivision kind of got out of it but we're not now we're back into it subdivisions are still going really well in this yeah. economy so we're happy to be back doing some of that work awesome well, we're going to enjoy listening to kelly's story it's it's fascinating she didn't go the traditional path of accounting degree and straight through four or five years if she went through her master's she didn't do that she actually and i really enjoy talking to people that have a little bit of a struggle and you've got to put some extra work in and put yourself through school because there's some resilience that builds on that that she carries with herself through her career today that's watched her elevate to the cfo position really quickly so we'll get to learn a little bit about that one sister right 
Yep, I have one sister who actually works for uh, Moss Heating and Cooling, which is the other company that we have right now. Awesome. And then husband and a couple of kiddos. Yep, husband, two kids. Uh, my daughter Emily, who's seven, and my stepdaughter Brooke, who's 11. Awesome. Well, we're, we're so happy that we're, we're getting to talk to you today. Well, thank you, and thank you for that kind introduction. Um, yeah, I did not have a very traditional path to, C to CFO. I mean, I have multiple friends with accounting degrees. Most of them work in tax. Um, I did not know that I was going to be a CFO. So right out of high school, I went to TCU. And just frankly, I had no business going to a private school. Uh, I didn't have a lot of financial help from my parents uh, at the time. And after a year of, you know, bumming around TCU, I decided that it was time to maybe go back home and figure out what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, so I went back home and I decided I wanted to get an IT degree. So, you know, I was young, didn't really know much. I decided to go to DeVry. So I did a semester at DeVry. It's going to get an IT degree. That's, that was a hot thing right then. I, was, I think that was like before Amazon. So. It's still a hot thing now, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. Well, even, yes, even more so now, for sure. Um, and so I went back home, and I was working on that. And I worked at a resort on the lake called Fox Hollow, waiting tables. And I just realized really fast that that was not going anywhere. And so mm -hmm. I moved back to Fort Worth, and I just said, OK, I'm, gonna, I'm going to go out. I'm going to interview. And I'm going to try to find a job. So I interviewed at a little company in Fort Worth called AirRite, and that was a heating and air conditioning company. And to this day, I don't know what the customer service manager saw in me. I was a young kid with not a lot of skills, mm -hmm. and she gave me an opportunity to be a customer service representative, and so I was answering phones. Um, around that time, we got bought out by a bigger air conditioning company in Dallas called Crawford Services. And from there, just my career grew. Uh, and I kept getting promotions. I basically did different customer service roles, worked in other departments, and eventually got to where I was managing the entire service department. And at that time, we were probably doing four or five million dollars in that service department. Um, the best part of working at those two companies was when they decided to hire an EOS implementer named Scott Long. Are you familiar with EOS? I am a big fan of EOS. I'm a big fan too. So when Scott Long came and implemented EOS at Crawford, that's when everything changed for that company. We went from barely making it to being extremely successful mm. virtually overnight, and that ignited a real love of business for me. After that, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to get a business degree, and I wanted to sit at a table and be able to uh, just affect companies and be mm -hmm. able to make changes. And when I saw something, I wanted to be able to, for that opinion to matter. And so that's exactly what I did. I went back to school. Around this time, I decided that I didn't have a lot of forward progression with this company. We were a small company and I just didn't see a way to the top there. And so I took a huge chance and called up a buddy of mine that I'd worked with at Crawford, Garrett Moss, who mm -hmm. had just started Moss Utilities. Um, I went and interviewed with him and I loved what he had to say. I believed in his mission, uh, believed in his vision, and I just, I went for it. And so I left this really stable job that I'd had for about six or seven years to, go over to this company that mm. did not have anything together yet. They were already doing about $30 million a year in revenue because Garrett's family has been, he's a fifth generation uh, family member in utilities. Mm -hmm. So he his name preceded him a little bit. And so they were already going with their growth. And so when I came in, he just said, Kelly, I don't know what you're gonna do yet. He goes, but I want you here. And he's like, but the only place I have for you to sit is the front desk. 
And so I was like, okay, I can do that. I can sit at the front desk. I was yeah. like, I, I've got this. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do? And he's like, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right. I'm like, this is a good decision. This is a good decision. Just calm down. You're going to make it. And uh, so I sat at the front. And at first, you know, people weren't really willing to kind of give me part of their workload. You know, a startup, it's kind of every man for himself. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually the CFO decided that he needed help implementing Spectrum, which is our ERP. Um, And he was not a construction guy, did not have a construction background, so did not really understand the work in progress schedule or even how to make Spectrum produce it. And so sitting at the front desk, not knowing a thing about construction, I figured out what the WIP schedule was and how to enter projected costs and how that was gonna affect revenue. And right after that, I pretty much was able to go do whatever job I wanted. Um, And so I went and did billing for a little while, the construction billing, which if you're a CFO in construction, understanding what all takes place on a construction billing person's desk is extremely important from the lien waivers to pay apps. All of that is extremely important. I'm so glad I got to go through that. Um, But Garrett decided that that was not enough. He said, you have, uh, you don't have the personality for that. You need to go manage projects. I was like, well, I don't know anything about construction. I'm like, I didn't even know how water and sewer and all that got in, mm-hmm. got into buildings before I started here. Yeah. And I was like, but you know what? I'll do it. Let's let's go see how hard could it be. So I uh, I got back there and I um, had a mentor who had been in the industry for about 30 years, and he was fantastic. His name was Michael, and he taught me so much. And I just had to be willing to listen. I would go out to job sites every day, talk to the, I developed relationships with all the people that were working on the job sites, and I learned. And mm-hmm. I loved managing projects. So I did that for a couple of years. Um, and I am still known to go back to the project managers and give them a piece of my mind of how I think that they should do things, <laughs> yeah, uh, even though it's been a few, <laughs> even though it's been a few years since I've been there, but I love to give them uh, my opinion. Uh, so after that, we, you know, going into 2020, it was really tough for Moss Utilities. We had made some not great financial decisions. And in March of 2020, the CFO, who I had uh, developed a really great relationship with, still have a great relationship to this day, he decided to leave. And he decided to leave with a week's notice and pretty much on, on the way out. And this is public knowledge. He said, it'd probably be a good idea to fall bankruptcy. And so we said, okay, well, that's great. Thanks, thanks for letting us know. Yeah. Um, teach us how to do the bank rec at least. And he said, hey, you know, I'm gonna stay on, I'm gonna do some of your high level accounting, I'll help you get financials out. Other than that, I'm gonna train Kelly on everything I know in this, you know, week of time. And that's what he did. So I took over the bank rec, I took over managing cash for the business, and we knew that that wasn't going to work forever. There was a lot I had to learn still. And so we hired an interim CFO, uh, Rick Marino with Seton Hill, love Seton Hill. Rick Marino came in. And it's not very often that you'll find somebody who is willing to just pour knowledge into you the way that Rick Marino was for me. He came in every week for about eight hours and taught me everything. Mm -hmm. I had a business degree, so I understood your basic debits and credits. But besides that, he taught me everything. And he was just willing to work with me. And, uh, you know, very quickly we found uh, we were in COVID at that point. That was March 2020. Mm -hmm. So PPP helped. Mm -hmm. We ended up getting great financial partners, a great bank to help us. um, And we just pulled ourselves out of it. And now we, so this last year, uh, Moss Utilities did 112 million in revenue. And we are very happy with where we're at profitability wise. And we just 
we've worked really hard to get to where we're at. Yeah, that's such Kelly. That's such a great story. There are so many different things. Like, I'm sitting here listening to you, going, "Okay, I want to come back to that. I want to," <laughs> and they're all going to go out of my head so okay. fast. You threw me the curveball of EOS early on too, because not at least not a lot of people in my crowd mm -hmm. are. You know, we do not operate on EOS. Yeah. And I'm low key trying to like self implement EOS, which is yeah. very challenging right? to do. Are you, you you've got to be an integrator? I am. Okay. I am. Yes. Uh, so I I guess it was 2021 that I finally convinced Garrett, and I had some help from her bank. So her bank operates off EOS, and I just kept you know part of being the CFO is it's your job to present a solution, get told no and just keep presenting it and keep mm. presenting it until you finally get the yes that you're looking for. And that's, I do that a lot. Um, and traction was something that I really, I loved from yeah. the other company. And I said, look, you know, you don't have to hire an EOS implementer. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna teach everybody about it. And so that's, that's exactly what I did. We created an executive committee and every single week we went in and we read a chapter of the book and I worked people through. We worked through the vision, we worked through mm. the core values, we worked through all of it. We, to this day, still have L10 meetings every week. We have rocks that we review. I love it. It's, it's I truly believe was one of the factors that made us get from barely making it to profitable. Uh. I love that. For those that don't know, EOS is an entrepreneurial operating system. And Gino Wickman was kind of the founder of yep. EOS. He wrote a book called Traction. You should really read that book. I think it's it's supposed to be mostly effective for uh, maybe $250 million companies and below yeah, or something I like that. that. Smaller sure. to lower midsize. And uh, just super effective. I'm embarrassed to say, but I'm gonna say it. I have still not come up with my Q3 rocks. Oh no! I know. <laughs> we were just and, doing that today. <laughs> okay, okay. So you just made me feel better. Yeah, I feel yeah good. we were just doing okay, it today. Good. All right. So that's so cool that curveball. But I'm I'm gonna try not to get hung up there because <laughs> we could just like how much more time do we have? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So let's peel back the onion. Okay. Um, so so uh wise of you to go okay i'm 18 19 20 i'm blowing my budget here oh, yeah. as a freshman in school i mm -hmm. don't know what i want to do it's not working for me like that's wise to like come to that realization because i think most people at that stage in in life um they're like whatever i'm i'm just gonna keep going to school here no big deal i really yeah. don't know what i do what i want to do but i'm gonna keep doing it and you took a step back um and that's that's really wise to self-reflect and say what do i want to do am i going down the right path and people still do that today like your story is so good for people who are you know five years into their career mm -hmm. and they're sitting there thinking I don't know that I really want to do this for the next 35 years. Right. And is there still time? And you're living proof of that because you didn't know that you were going to go the path of CFO until what sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, until maybe 2020, 2019. Absolutely. Exactly. And so what, where... Where does that, is that just like, you know, my credit to your parents? Is it just, you know, I read a book, a professor said something, a, a friend spoke truth into you? Like, how did that hit you? Um, I think that 
after I had my daughter, I think that I knew that I was going to provide more to her than what was provided to me growing up, and I never wavered from that. And I was going to take whatever chance and take whatever risk I needed to take to to become successful, mm -hmm. to be able to afford her a different lifestyle than I grew up having. Um, and I'll always do that. She will always have, you know, everything she needs. If she wants to go to Hockaday, if she wants to go to TCU, I want to be able to provide that for her. But that's not to say I'm easy on her. I am yeah. tough. I yeah. am so tough. So she's at camp today. She's at this. She She's all about YouTube. She's at a YouTube camp today at Hockaday. Okay. And she was begging me not to go to that this morning. But nope. I said, nope. You signed up for this. We finished yeah. the things we start. Get in there. Let's go. Yeah. So. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Kind of that swift kick in the pants there. Yeah. You have to be tough. I think that, I mean, I'm, I'm. I get to be the bad guy, I think, a lot. I get mm -hmm. to kind of be the, the person that comes in and uh, is tough, um, but that's okay. You know, I, I started this out saying people who go through struggle, I really identify with them because mm -hmm. I've gone through some in my life. You know, I had kids when I was really, really young, when I was a freshman in college with oh, my man. wife, and we're still together today and all this other stuff. And there's something that, that, that teaches you uh, – I don't know if it necessarily teaches you patience, but it teaches you resilience. Absolutely. And, you know, going through the struggle makes it so much sweeter on the other side. Mm -hmm. And I do worry about that at times nowadays where uh, people who don't have an opportunity to go through that struggle, like both of our girls, um, they, they were really great athletically, mm -hmm. both went and played college sports oh, and all this other stuff. But, you know, we always told them, we're like, hey, look, if if you decide to do something else like that's your call that's great but you are going to figure out how to pay for college um, because it was <laughs> it was mine and my wife's insurance mm -hmm. on you need to figure out how to survive on your own the world is not going to cater to you and you need to just figure it out on your own to where you know my younger daughter is like well what do i do in order to pay for the rest of my master's program yeah. and, and our we're like Figure it out. I mean, we'll sign, we'll back you, we'll sign yeah. whatever we need to sign, but you need to go through the steps to figure it out and do it yourself and we'll help you out because we're trying to instill that we want you to go through a struggle a little bit. You know, we want, we want you to have something where you have to struggle a little bit mm -hmm. because it makes it sweeter on the other side and you also develop the self-confidence knowing that you can do it. Yep. I, I think that is really important, and so I talk about this a lot, but every single day I try to do something really, really hard, mm. something extremely uncomfortable, and that might be, and I, you know, I've grown to really love running. It used to be running for me because running was hard. I'm not a natural runner. Um, I, you know, when I was playing sports in high school and it was off season and we had to run, I, I would you know, play hooky that day. I hated to run. <laughs> um, and you know, now I love to run and it's become uh, you know, really good for my mental health to run. But, so now I don't, it doesn't get to be running. Now it has to be something like lift weights. Or recently I just started doing something, and this is so like hot button right now, but I started doing a cold plunge. So we have a cold plunge at work. And the idea of the cold plunge like basically scares the heck out of me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thinking about it right now like makes my heart rate get a little bit higher. But I've worked up to where I can sit in that cold plunge for three minutes. And when I get out, I just say to myself, okay, I've done something really hard. I got through it. I can tackle anything else today has. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, going back to kids, I'm, I don't know how many things I've signed Emily up for that she just did not want to do. But I'm like, look, go there, make friends, figure it out. And when you come out the other side, you will be that much stronger for it. Yeah. Because yeah. you'll be able to do it. Yeah. Well, 
So we have we have a thirty minute podcast, and we may be here for three hours because you're like talking <laughs> you're talking my love language right now. In fact, Rebecca's over here in the background, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, David's eating this up." You know. So I I, I actually have a cold plunge in my you backyard. Oh, cool. Yes, and um, yeah. So I I do all okay. We're we're gonna get this sidetracked here. Okay. <laughs> Back it up. All right. Um, one of the things, so you're you're an achiever. We talked about this. You're yeah. super competitive. I am. You're an achiever. You have to win at everything. Like I it's do. yeah, it's like fist fights. Like come on, I'm just kidding. It's not that bad, but it, it can be. It yeah, can, it, can, <laughs> it can get a little intense sometimes. I, you know, it's something I'm kind of working on. I think that, you know, because um, it's funny. Garrett Moss told me the other day. I was. I was mad about something. I'd lost something. It was probably pickleball. You know, we play pickleball with the mosses a lot. And I think I lost a pickleball. And he was like, you know, we're teaching my five-year-old son to not be a sore loser. And I was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. And I was like, you know, maybe maybe I should stop being a sore loser. I'm like, it's still okay to want to win, but maybe just not be as sore of a loser about it. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you that. Now I'm not going to ask you that anymore because <laughs> I want this all to be good. Um, where I was going to go with the achiever is, um, I mentioned that to you the other day. I said, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you've got an achiever type background. That's what I identify you as. Uh, it's similar to mine. And you said, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't know exactly how you, you put it, but you basically said you have to be okay with hearing no or getting a no. Mm -hmm. And you have to be okay with going right past it. Yep. And continuing to try. Where did that? Is that something? Is that the way you've always been? Have you developed that? How do you use that to your advantage? That's a great question. Um, I, I don't know that it's always to my advantage. Most times, I think it is. But it, it, the way I look at it, especially when dealing with the company, is you know I love business because I love the strategy of it, mm -hmm. and I think what I bring to the table is I can see two moves ahead. And I'm not trying to be boastful or conceited, but I, when I sit down and I look at a problem, I feel like I can see two moves ahead. And so for the good of the company, for the good of whatever it is that I'm working on, I'm going to tell people how I feel about it. And I'm gonna keep telling them how I feel about it until I get the yes, because I know that that yes is what's best for the company. It's not me just needing to hear, me, you know, me keeping going and just because I wanna hear yes to, because that's what I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I need to hear that for me. Mm -hmm. No, I, I see something that's important for the company and I will work very hard to get the answer that's needed for the company. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's true for any situation. You know, if we have a banking issue, if we have a credit issue, where I'm gonna keep working until I can get the answer that I need. Yeah, sometimes when you're an achiever, you have to overcome that stubbornness that's inside mm -hmm. of you to say this, th okay, you know, you check yourself. You're like, mm -hmm. all right, David, um, this isn't about winning an argument. This is about doing what's right. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not your idea and it's someone else's idea, we need to do what's right for the organization because then it's right for everybody. And you have to check yourself because sometimes if you are wrong, you know, and it's like, but I want to win because I'm an achiever. You know, you got to have to like take a step back and go, okay, is that the most right thing for the organization? Oh, I've been wrong. I've been wrong a lot of times um, and happy to admit when I am. So you said something that uh, I really liked. And so whenever we were sitting down implementing traction, we were doing our core values. And one core value that felt very personal for me that I really wanted to see was, uh, and it's when, when we, 
it's a when it's a win-win we all win mm. um and so i had uh just always really loved that servant leadership model and that model that you know we want our vendors to win we want our general contractors to win we want everyone to win because it's not just about our company winning it's about everyone that we touch also winning and so a lot of times i i bring that up when we're having meetings and somebody's deciding you know should i send this change order is it you know I feel like I've priced it right. And I'm like, well, is it a win-win for everybody or is it not? Because that's how you can base a lot of your business decisions. Mm. And so it's not always about just being right, but I will fight really hard when I feel like one of our vendors or maybe one of our general contractors, like if I don't feel like everyone's being treated fairly, that's something else I'll really fight for. Yeah, well, I think that's good, right? Because there's there's conflict and there's healthy conflict, right? And there's conflict for conflict's sake. Yep. That's not good. But mm-hmm. if it's healthy conflict because you're trying to get to the right answer and yeah. it's and it's multiple people or just two people in a room and they're passionate about the topic that that's a good thing because they have passion for the organization they have passion for doing the right thing and i think the workplace needs more healthy conflict um, because that accelerates decision making and it can create new paths for people in their career i feel like you had so many different paths in your career that were unexpected that people just utilized you. It's like, I don't know, ask Kelly. Kelly could probably do that. I don't know, give it to Kelly. Let's see if she can do that. And you find yourself in the position that you're in today. And one of the keys that you've mentioned in the past is like, well, I feel like every role I've been in, I'm a chief problem solver. Like that's yes. your key is to solve problems. And and that may be from when you were, you, you had mentioned taking the year off of school or mm-hmm. taking some time away from school and you're like, yeah, and I was waitressing at a, at a restaurant, at a lake, at probably PK Lake, mm-hmm. you know, moved back. Yep. And you had to solve problems there and they saw that in you and you've just carried that forward. Why is that so important? I think that it's just naturally what I gravitate towards. Um, going back to strategy and just being able to see the next move. When I see a problem, I want to go solve it. I want to go figure it out. And if I'm not the one that's assigned to figure it out, I want to I want to go work with the people that are assigned to figure it out because that's really like where my skill set is. Is we've identified that there's a problem. Let's sit down and figure out how to solve it. I love that. Um, that's what keeps me coming to work every day. Mm-hmm. I think if, you know, that part of my job ever went away, I would be okay. Bored. I, I, oh yeah, I'd be so bored. Yeah. I hope that that never happens. Luckily, it hasn't so far. We're still very much a startup. So yeah. <laughs> we've got we've just got a lot to learn. We just started the heating and cooling company. So that came with its own problems. And yeah, so chief when, problem, uh, that and CTO. I, I do claim to also be the chief technology, technology officer. Technology officer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So something's broken on the computer. Call Kelly too. Well, maybe not that. But whenever we, you know, construction software is such a really cool space right now. Mm-hmm. And um you know, with AI emerging, there's so many cool things that they can do. And we've always wanted as a company to be just, you know, up to date with all of that. And so, you know, two or three years ago, we implemented an AP automation software that was already using AI then to where we didn't have to add any any more additional AP staff. And so I love I love solutions like mm-hmm. that. And so I'm always um, having phone calls with different construction software companies and looking at different things to implement. And there's just a, you know, the space is so cool now because, you know, years ago, there was no way that you could have come up with the metrics and uh, just the insight that you have now that this technology is providing. And it's just a really cool space to be in right now. Yeah. It, 
we're, we're only going to see that happen faster and faster, oh, yeah. right, at the, the acceleration of technology. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to one thing that you had said um, and just touch on that more from an advice standpoint for people who are growing in their career. So they just graduated from college and maybe they have an accounting degree and they're working their way up and they're in their first job, they're one year in, two years in, whatever the case may be. Um, how do you advise them from, yeah, look for problems? Because that, that can be scary for someone who's a little bit greener in their career. Mm -hmm. um, and, and your outlook is the exact opposite. Like I am seeking them out mm -hmm. in that reputation precedes you. And so people pull on you for things that, you know, you don't know what's around the corner. And they're like, I don't know, go talk to Kelly. And mm -hmm. that that brings enjoyment to you. you may not bring enjoyment to everybody, but it brings enjoyment to you. And I'm sure there's people that are listening to this that are like, man, I'd really like to do that. But how do I go identify the problems? What's the step? Like, what are the tactics here? First step, stop saying it's not your job. Mm. Um, I understand that I have never worked in that, you know, thousand people employee environment, um, and I never will. But I think that people really rely on this idea that it's not their job or it's not what they signed up for. And if you tell people, especially direct supervisors, that it's not what you signed up for, it's not your job, well, you will be offered very many other things, I think. And so that's always my advice to people, don't say it's not your job. The other thing is, when you do determine that there's an issue with something, always come to the table with a solution. It may not be the right solution, but it shows that you put effort into solving the problem. And I think that that's extremely important. It shows effort. We have an intern right now who's from Alabama and she's a mechanical engineering intern. And her and I have spent a lot of time talking about, you know, because when she came in, she's just brilliant. She's so stinking smart. I mean, this girl is gonna yeah. do great things with her career. And, you know, she came in and the work that they assigned her, she could just do so fast. And so then she would spend the rest of her time, you know, on her cell phone or, and so to everybody walking by the office, it felt like she was not engaged, but really she was just too scared to ask for more. Mm. And so also I encourage people to speak up. If you don't have a big enough workload, ask for more work, uh, be seen. Don't, you know, it just, it looks like you're not engaged. Always, always be engaged. Always stay engaged. Yeah. If you're not engaged, then maybe you're not at the right place. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. It's um, solving problems is a luxury to have in your career because I think more people, it, it, it reinvigorates you every time there's a new problem, right? And people need that because every, every job gets mundane at mm -hmm. some point in time. Yes. You know, and so having an opportunity to solve those problems is, I feel like, a luxury for people to have in their career. And I think you're right. You have to present yourself as engaged. And, you know, I, I think about our job, what we do from a recruiting standpoint. And sometimes, uh, you know, you look at someone and they're on their phone because everything's done on a cell mm. phone because it's all about people. And, you know, you're like, OK, I, I hope that's, you know, they're texting a client or they're texting right. a customer or something like that. You know, and you want that to be the case because you want your people to be productive for the organization. And so I think that's such great advice to uh, not say it's not my job. Sometimes I wish you could just say, um, you know, go figure it out. Yeah. You know, if someone comes to you and says, well, what do I do? Go figure it out. Like, go just go figure it out and see what they come back with. Right. Mm -hmm. um, 
because that starts using a different side of your brain. It's almost like it yes. starts using, to go back to EOS, like it starts using the visionary side mm -hmm. of your brain instead of just sitting in the integrator side of your brain yeah. all day long. Yeah. And I think there's such value in it. I think that, you know, it's really interesting managing different types of people because I manage an accounting staff of six people and they range in all different levels of education. And I have a controller on my staff who has an MBA in data analytics. Uh, he was a, a cross country college athlete. He's just this amazing, he's an amazing athlete. I always pick him for my basketball team. Anyway, besides that, <laughs> um, he, you know, is very quiet. He's very reserved. And it takes a lot for me to get anything like out mm. of him, but he's so smart. And I'm, you know, I really have to change my management style to deal with him and to deal with other people. Um, but this is, that's something I do to him a lot is I say, you know, Denali, I want you to take this. I want you to look at it. I want you to tell me what you think about it. And I, want, I basically, I want you to figure it out. I want you to come back in a week and tell me what you think. And at first she's like, oh, I, you know, I don't know anything about that stuff. I'm like, just, just give it a try, give it a try and come back. And so this is something I routinely do because he's so smart and he just hasn't quite figured out how to use his voice yet. And mm. so it's something I do with him all the time. Yeah, I think that's good. I think, you know, and he may be a little bit of an anomaly mm -hmm. um, because when you when you think about the differences between men and women, right? Mm -hmm. Women are for Venus, men are for Mars. We just want to solve the problem mm -hmm. and women just want, just, just listen to me. You don't need to solve, I don't have a problem for you to solve when you're talking to your spouse, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm so oriented to like, let's just solve the problem, move forward. Like, let's go. We yep. got it. We got work to do. And I keep thinking about that for myself, like just saying to people, we'll go figure it out. Yeah. You know, go figure it out. And there's a little bit of risk on an employer's end to say, oh, go yeah. figure it out. Mm -hmm. sure. uh, it's risk on their end. <laughs> so both are accepting and willing to have risk when you yeah. say that. And I think that's beneficial for the organization. Absolutely. You have to be willing to at least take into consideration what they come back with. Yeah. You don't have to implement what they suggest, but you have to really take into consideration. And that brings me to something I love to talk about and that uh, employee engagement really goes away when they feel like they don't have a voice and they don't have an opportunity to share their ideas. I talk about this all the time at Moss. It's like, I may tell you the worst idea in the world today, but I want to feel like someone listened to me and considered it. And when you get to a place in an organization where that's not always happening, I think that that really leads to just, you know, loss of engagement mm. because you, you don't feel like what you have to bring to the table matters. And so that's something that I always encourage the people that work for me to do, you know, tell me your ideas, tell me what you think. And it may not be something that we change, but I always have that open door policy because I want to know what they think. These people are so smart and they've got so many great ideas. And uh, there's a girl that works for me, her name's Jessica, and she's just, she's brilliant. And she's, you know, I did her construction billing job and she does it a thousand times better than yeah. I ever thought about doing it. Um, and so that tells me that, hey, if she can do this so well, there's probably a million other things she can do well. And so I encourage that um, just open communication because I want people to feel like they're valued yeah. um, because I know that I want that. You know, I'm like, Garrett, just listen to my idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's such a great outlook and how you treat uh, your staff there. It's such a great outlook. All right. So, so I got to get to this because we're wrapping up here. Okay. And so I want to get to this. Um, if you're watching this, Kelly's in her like power pink I am my power jacket. Suit. She's got her power <laughs> pink jacket going. 
we, we've talked a little bit about females in the workplace and females having a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And that's increased a lot, probably not to the degree to where it needs to be, what you and I think. Um, and, and you want to encourage that more. And I have two daughters. You've already mentioned Emily, your daughter. And um, so, so tell us, you know, how do we get more females there? How, you got there by being um, a problem solver and asking for projects and seeking it. And you're really good at using your voice. Like what's some advice? Let's, let's chat about that. Great, great topic. Um, I have a lot of advice about this stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of where to start. Um, I think that a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different reasons that women don't make it to the table. Um, and so when I was, you know, maybe five, 10 years ago, somebody told me, I'm probably five years ago, somebody told me to read uh, Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. I think that's how you say her last name. Yes. You can fact check me yep. on that. <laughs> and that book was really important to me. Now, I, I don't necessarily align with everything that that book says, but it talked a lot about, you know, when women get to be, you know, 28, 29, they're kind of thinking, and that seems to be later and later now, but they're thinking about starting families and they're thinking about, um, all the other things that, that people want from women. They want them to be moms, they want them to be wives. Uh, you know, they have to be ready to pick kids up from school, cook dinners, and I just think that there's an extreme amount of pressure. And so I always say, if, if you want to see it at the table, then fantastic. If you don't, that's okay too. Uh, but if you do, um, know that it's gonna be harder for you than it is for your male counterpart, and I'll tell anybody that. Um, the other thing that I read recently that I thought was really important is um, in any scenario, a woman and a man, if they're up for the same job and the woman doesn't feel confident that she has the skills necessary to perform that job, she will likely turn it down. Where a male candidate will just say, I got this, I'm, go I'm going for it. And I think that that is one of the biggest differences in why some women don't make it to the table. Mm. I think it's their own um, lack of belief in themselves. Like at the end of the day, I didn't know that I was gonna you know, be able to be the CFO of this company. I didn't know if I had the skill set, if I was the right person, um, but I took the risk. I took the risk long before I had any business taking the risk. And that's what I encourage people to do. Even if you're not 100% sure you're capable of doing something, give it a chance, mm -hmm. take the risk. Yeah, I think that's really good. I've, I feel like um, to your last point about a man will say, I got this. Got this. I'm gonna go ahead and do this. <laughs> and then a female will say, gosh, I may not have done Exactly. every bullet listed on that mm -hmm. job description um they're so much more precise yes and and what their aim is mm -hmm. and they want to be a bullseye because they don't want to let people down they don't mm -hmm. want to let the company it's down true. and there's there's that worriness that they are i think you're right you know willing to take willingness to take mm -hmm. the risk there is a greater demand on time for a female mm -hmm. Than a, a mom um, in the workplace than there is a, a male in the workplace. And so I think there are, I think we've come a long way. Absolutely. And I'm excited about that path, but I think that we've got still a lot more to go. Mm -hmm. And you know, speaking of a dad of two girls that uh, they, they won't ever be in a business setting because they're like, there's zero chance I'm going to be in a business setting ever they think it's ridiculous that i'm in you yeah know, they see me wearing this and they're like that's such a joke do people know what you wear on the weekends dad you know? and, <laughs> but any advancement in that impacts everybody mm -hmm. 
And Great. so I'd, I'd love to see more advancement in that way. And so I think that's really good advice that you just gave. Me too. Um, one other thing that I think women really struggle with, and I really wish I would have written this down before I came because there's an entire study that was done on it. Um, it's kind of the likability factor. Um, if, and there was a study done, gosh, I wish I remembered what it was called, but two people, uh, one's named Henry and one's named Heather. That's not right, but let's just go with that. Same credentials, they've done the same amount of work, they're in the same level of position at a company. And if you gave this to a bunch of college students and they read through it, they really liked Henry, but they thought Heather kind of sounded like a you-know-what. Mm. They didn't like her. She mm. didn't seem very likable. Mm. But there was really nothing different about him. So I think that women also go through that. It, it's, especially when women get to the top. I think that, you know, if you made it to the top, oh, well then you don't also get to always be likable. You don't always yeah. get to be everybody's best friend, I think. Yeah, yeah. There, there was years ago, um, for those who are avid sports listeners, they'll they'll identify this. Years ago, there was uh, Susie Colbert, who was like on Monday Night Football on ESPN and all that other stuff. like. She was a sideline reporter and mm -hmm. she was working her way up. Mm -hmm. And I remember a story came out about how, you know, she needed to change her voice and talk mm -hmm. differently to gain the respect of all of the, you know, NFL watching uh, people at home. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, man, that's a shame. Like she should be who she is, Tough. you know, like God made her that way. She should be that way mm -hmm. and let everybody see it. And she should get the same amount of respect. There's no reason for her to have to pretend that she's someone else voice wise dress wise just be who you are and be great at your job like mm. go dominate your job be exactly. competitive totally agree yeah last advice last words for you for our, oh, from our listener what, what oh, should gosh. we give them um no pressure no um, pressure just be willing to solve problems that no one else is wants yeah. to take on that's yeah. that's my biggest advice yeah and solve them um proactively if yes. you can Absolutely. Don't wait to be told, but use your voice. Yes, totally I agree. <laughs> I love that. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for being on our show today. And to our listeners, thank you all for tuning in. Um, we really hope that there is value in this for everybody that's listening to this. I know I get value out of each one every single week that we produce. And so we'd love for you to share it with your uh, coworkers, with your management, your leadership team, with your subordinates and we know that they will gain value as well. And until next time. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.